Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Hey there, welcome into the program. Friendly reminder to hit that subscribe button for us. Search the Bucks Wire on Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, Spotify, whatever works best for you. We appreciate each and every one of the listeners. Luke, what's good, my man? You know, here's where I want to start this week. If if fans have been looking for a defining moment for the Bucks this season, that moment that kind of spurs them on to that second Super Bowl run, I think I'm looking at halftime of this game against the Colts, right? You're down 24-14 at half. Colts get the ball to start the third quarter, and they march right down the field. They're on the 20-yard line when Shaq Barrett gets that strip sack, and the whole game kind of turns, right? The Bucks go right back down the field. I think it was 65 yards on six plays. They score the touchdown, and the defense kind of takes the game over after getting walloped in the first half, right? So um, what a moment, that strip sack by Shaq Barrett. I mean, if the Colts go in and score there, even with Tom Brady, even with the Bucks, I mean – on the road, that's a tough. That's a tough ask to try to come back from seventeen down. Uh, but that play by Barrett was. Uh, I think we could look. We might be able to look back on that as the moment. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, if you go back to last year, obviously the focus was on. Oh, they came out of the bye week and then they won eight straight. Go back to the defining moment of the Chiefs game, the week before the bye week. What was because if you remember correctly, obviously you know they, they went up. Chiefs went up big in the first quarter. Tyreek Hill had 200 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter. And then you go up, you know, you go into halftime, you're still down big. But the Bucks over those last three quarters of that game, they marched right back, right? They ended up losing 27-24. They fought, yep. But they fought all the way back into that game. And really, if they get the ball at the end of the game, I think we have a different ending, right? The Bucks couldn't couldn't get them off the field on that third down, and, and they win 27-24. What was, the, what was the changing play in that game? It was a Shaq Barrett force fumble. It was a drive that the Chiefs were all the way down, already in field goal range. I think they were inside the 20, and Shaq Barrett comes up with a huge strip sack. Bucks get a few touchdowns you know, in the second half, and, and they just needed one more drive and couldn't get it. But it felt like that was the play that turned everything. They couldn't finish the job that week, but they went into the bye. They came out. They never lost again. You know, It was the same play, exact same type of situation where you feel like if the Chiefs score there, it's just it turns into a blowout and it's over. And that's exactly what it felt like on Sunday against the Colts. You know, they were driving right back down the field. And, you know, the, the greater sequence of you get the strip sack, you go down and score. The next drive, the Colts are driving again. They go for a big play. Antoine Winfield comes up with an incredible interception. I don't know if I'd ever seen a five foot ten DB moss a six foot four wide receiver. That's awesome. I mean, and also, how old did you feel watching Antoine Winfield's son intercept the ball intended for Michael Pittman's son. Like, <laughs> yeah. just ridiculous as a Bucks fan. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I completely agree with you to answer your question. I, I think no matter what happens and how this season ends for the Bucks, that moment was so important because we talked about it last week. This team was desperate for a signature win on the road. Colts were as hot as any team in the league going, going into that game. It's a hostile environment. They're down 24-14. It couldn't stop anybody. Carson Wentz threw all over the yard, threw three touchdowns in that first half, and was just unstoppable. And the Bucks were clunky on offense, couldn't really feel it. At, you know, they weren't hitting on all cylinders. They couldn't figure it out, right? And and that is the play that I think if they do get it turned around and, and you know, challenge for the top seed in the NFC and move on, you know, and move towards the Super Bowl, we are going to look back at that moment, that sequence that was started by the, the, the Shaq Bears strip sack 
as yet again, the moment that turned things around for him. Yeah, no, I agree. And in that symmetry from last year is, is such a great point. And it, it almost felt like uh, the Bucks said, all right, playoff mode. Uh, enough enough of this, right? And they went into playoff mode in that second half because that's what they did all playoff long. It, uh, you know, during that playoff run last year was just the defense getting making plays, getting turnovers, making life miserable for the opposing team. And on the offensive side of the ball, I don't think it was any coincidence that we saw the return of playoff Lenny and the Bucks just kind of go to a smash-mouth football. And really, the Bucks did to the Colts what the Colts do to everybody else, right, Luke? And that, I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. But what a game by Lenny Fournette. And uh, it just like they flipped the switch in that second half. Playoff time. Hopefully that sticks around. Yeah, well, it wasn't, it wasn't just his play either. If you heard you know, anything from the postgame, he made a speech in, in the locker room at halftime. He... He kind of took center stage and was like, listen, we, you know, we have an opportunity to prove that we are who we say we are, right? We, we have to, to, he said they have to have a will and a want to win everything. He said you have to leave it all out there. You can't take plays off. You have got to be committed to giving 100% on every single snap if you want to get back to where we were last year. And, every, you know, to a man, everybody who was asked about it, you know, said that his his speech in the locker room is really what spurred everybody on in the second half and got their minds right because they just weren't playing at the level they were capable of. And and when you have a guy who is comfortable enough as a leader to speak up in that room, think about the guys in that room. You know, think about not just Brady, but guys like Sue and Levante David, not not just guys who have been in the league longer. Not just guys who have been with the Bucks longer. Not just guys who have won more and, and been in situations like that and are older and more experienced. Lenny's 26, you know? Lenny yeah. stands in front of all those guys and delivers the speech and then goes out there and drops four tutties. <laughs> that is the kind of thing that galvanizes a team. When you have a guy who can step up as a leader in a room full of leaders, a room full of veterans, a room full of champions, and say, hey – Let's get the job done. Let's take things to another level. And then goes out there and leads by example and takes his game to another level for a career high four touchdowns. That is the, t- the type of moment. Again, we talked about the play that was made by Shaq Barrett, but uh, you know, Shaq himself talked about that speech after the game and how that really got everybody going. So props to Lenny you know, for, for talking the talk in the locker room when they needed it and then walking the walk on the field and leading them in that way. Yeah, I love that. It's, that's, that's amazing. And the Bucks are now 8-3. and three. One game back from the Cardinals for that NFC's, you know, the NFC's first round by uh, six games left. Only six games left in the regular season, Luke. We're already I, hate, I hate it already. 13, I hate man. it already. I'm uh, not even. Yeah. And, and, I'm not looking forward to the end of the season already. It, so, it sounds too short. Yeah, no doubt. It, it's crazy. Uh, so now we're, we're literally in the thick of this thing now. Now it's. It's all about the hunt for that first round by now. I think that's what it is. And and you look at the last six games for the Bucks. I mean, there's really only two on the schedule that give me pause, right? And they're coming up, not this week against the Falcons. I don't want to look past them too much, but that's not on my list, Luke. It's the Bills game and, uh, you know, the, the Saints, of course, the Saints. And I know the Saints have kind of, they're kind of floundering over there. They're trying to figure it out. But the Saints, there's just a thing there. And it's never easy against the Saints. And those are the two games. But, I mean, after that, I mean, Falcons this week, you got two against the Panthers. You got a game against the Jets. I mean, you should be winning all of those games. And I don't, I don't see how the Bucks don't finish at least 13 and four. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with this team. I'm, I'm looking at like 13 and four. And would that be enough to get the NFC's first round by? It's probably going to be pretty close, right? It's probably, if they can get 13 and four, that might be enough. Yeah. Well, obviously, the conversation starts with winning your division, right? That's what every team wants to do every year. You can't do much if you don't do that. So let's beat the Saints. 
so beat the Saints, obviously. I mean, right now they've got a three-game lead in the division. So conceivably, if they win, if the Bucks win their next two games and things go right everywhere else in the division, they could clinch the division in two weeks. So obviously, you know, a lot of dominoes have to fall for that to happen, but it's conceivable with the way the rest of the division is playing right now. The Saints are not playing very well. The Bucks are the only team in the division over 500 right now. So it would not be surprised to lock that up. But yeah, in terms of looking forward to the seeding, I think you're just you're you're saying, hey, we take care of business, and the rest of the NFL has been uh, as chaotic as possible all year long. So who's to say that the two teams ahead of you, Arizona, has proven that they can flop on a week? You know, even with Kyler Murray in in the lineup, they've lost games. I know they're going to have him back, and Nuke's probably going to be back here soon, but. You know, that, that is a tough division that they have to win in the NFC West with some tough opponents. Green Bay seems like depending on the week, you get a different team with them as well. So they, you know, they could easily lose a game or two. If you take care of business, and again, we, we talked about it off air, even a team like the Bills, who I think is the toughest game they have left, they've lost Tredavious White for the year, their best corner, one of the best corners in the league. They have no ground game. Their offensive line is terrible. Their run defense is not very good. And with playoff Lenny getting hot, you know, that's something that obviously the Bucks want to hear. They're, you know, the Bucks secondary is getting healthier. So really, if you're going to be able to, to contain Josh Allen and slow down that passing attack, the Bills don't really have anything else. So, I mean, it's definitely conceivable for the Bucks to run the table here. And all you need is a, 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 a game, a falter here and there from those two teams ahead of you. And not only are you winning the division, but you're, you're right there in play for, uh, for the number one seed if things go right. Yeah, no, I could see that happening, and you know, and, and not only with going back to that Bills game in a couple weeks here, uh, you know, Tom Brady owns that ass. The Bills, you know, the, they just have nightmares about going up against Brady. Uh, the record is insane. I think it's like thirty-two and three. I should go back right. and look it up. It's something stupid. But Brady's record against the Bills, uh, and, I, and I think one of the biggest things in that conversation as well is that those two games that you mentioned, Saints and Bills, are both at home. They are. So yep. you know, the Bucks obviously got that kind of road thing past them with the Colts win and I know that's important but man especially with full stadiums those two games being the most difficult and getting to have them at home I think is going to play a huge role for the Bucks there yeah and, and an important thing to remember too is you get the Bills on a short week they're going to be coming off the Monday nighter this week against the Patriots mm-hmm. they have a war with the Patriots which honestly is a more important game to them right they, it is. they don't yeah. they would much rather lose to the Bucks because they need that division win against the Patriots who are ahead of them right now so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Bucks. If all those planets align for the Bucks to have as good a chance of beating them as possible, yeah, and you, and you know me, I'm a Tom Brady apologist. Uh, you know, I, I got all the TB12 gear in my closet, and I'm also a Patriots honk. And uh, I mean, if the Patriots beat the Bills, Luke, on Monday Night Football in Buffalo uh, in December, you know that whole thing, then I think the Pats are. I, I have to finally ad- let myself believe that they're going to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC because they're that good. And I think the Bucks have a path. Tampa Bay Patriots in the Super Bowl. Oh man, that could be fun. And and this Roger is Roger Goodell, wherever he is, <laughs> just heard you say that, and just the dollar signs are just <laughs> flowing. I mean, it's getting pub. The Tampa Bay Times are writing articles. The New York Times had an article about this. Uh, Tipico, the sports book, they have a special bet right now. You can only max it out at twenty five dollars, uh, but Patriots to meet the Bucks in the Super Bowl plus twenty five hundred max bet twenty five bucks. Why a max bet of twenty five bucks, Luke? Because it could happen, right? It could easily yeah. happen. So, uh, man, I'm just starting. You know, if the Patriots win this game against Buffalo, I'm going to start letting myself believe that that the Bucks well, and Patriots else, could be in the Super Bowl. Who else in the AFC 
is any sort of threat that we can rely on right now. There's nobody in the AFC that has been consistent enough to say, eh, they'll probably get to that team and the Patriots will lose. They got as good a chance as anybody. Yeah, I guess it's only the only the Chiefs, if they can just like morph back into the Chiefs, but the jury's still out there. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. The Pats are on fire. The Bucks, hopefully they're catching fire now at the right time, 8-3. and three. They're in a good spot. And uh, so coming up next, we'll get into that game against the Falcons. And uh, also, our questions of the week. Stick with us. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini here with TheHuddle.com to bring you strong plays for Week 13. Quarterback Taylor Heineke, Washington football team at Las Vegas Raiders. While Heineke has multiple touchdown passes in only one of the last seven outings, this could be a get-right game for the gunslinger against a Las Vegas defense that has yielded 25.9 plus PPR points to four quarterbacks in the last six games. Over the last three weeks, this matchup is 36.2% easier to exploit than the league average, largely thanks to Patrick Mahomes, but even Teddy Bridgewater dropped nearly 30 points against his defense going back to week six. Heineke and Washington Washington have momentum on their side, and the quarterback has the weaponry to approach 25 fantasy points. Running back Alexander Madison, Minnesota Vikings at Detroit Lions. Madison will make his third start of the year with Dalvin Cook set to miss time with a shoulder injury. The Boise State product was thrust into the same role as Cook in the two prior starts, rushing 26 times for 112 yards and 25 for 113 in weeks 3 and 5 respectively. He added 6 catches for 59 yards and 7 catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown via the passing game in those same two contests. The Lions were his Week 5 opponent, and they allowed 28.3 PPR points. Detroit has been among the softest of softies versus running backs in this season, giving up 17 total touchdowns in 11 games, including 7 receiving scores and 141.4 total yards per game on average. Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool versus Baltimore Ravens. Claypool has come on a little bit of late, registering eight catches on 17 targets in the last two games since returning from a toe injury in Week 10. He has not scored since Week 5, but has a better than average chance if he can avoid Marlon Humphrey more often than not. Deontay Johnson should see Humphrey more than he'll see Anthony Averett, which leaves Claypool to exploit one of the best individual matchups of the year. And even if he draws Humphrey, the Pro Bowl cornerback hasn't been as strong as he had in recent years. Something in the neighborhood of 15 to 18 PPR points can be expected. CJ Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals versus Los Angeles Chargers. LA has done a good job of limiting tight ends yardage and receptions, but also has been the easiest defense to play against in terms of getting into the end zone. And that is the only reason why anyone should consider playing Uzama in fantasy. He has been mostly useless since a midseason spurt of five touchdowns in four games, so realize any inclusion of him into a fantasy lineup is among the wildest of gambles in Week 13. Be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning content as we help put you into the playoffs. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com. For terms and conditions, 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we've reached that point in the show where I throw questions at Luke that he is not prepped on. So our questions of the week, Luke. Here's number one. At one point in this Bucks colts game, Carson Wentz threw 26 straight passes without handing it off to Jonathan Taylor, right? And uh, a lot of people are talking about that game plan uh, that the Colts came out with. They were finally able to squeak over 100 yards rushing in the second half, but 
I think their running backs got 17 carries and Carson Wentz had 44 chucks, right? He threw it 44 times. So translation, even the Colts, with arguably the best O-line and best running back in the league, wanted nothing to do with the Bucks' rush defense, right? Buy or sell that strategy. Uh, I mean, I, I buy it because it was working. Uh, and, and if you listen to anything that Frank Reich said after the game, uh, even on Monday, you know, he broke it down for the fans, for the for the media. He he had his you know play by play sheet, and he also explained that a lot of those passes were RPOs, where it was a called run, but been you know based on the look that the Bucks gave them, you know Carson Wentz checked out of it through a pass, and a lot of those passes were successful. So it's not like it was a concerted effort to not give Jonathan Taylor the ball. It was a situation where like, hey, if they're going to stack the box, we're going to give Carson the opportunity to take some layups in the pass game. And, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but or I think Frank Reich said that he, on the RPOs that they had called that, it, that could have been runs in the second half, they averaged seven yards a play. So you'll take that all day long, right? If, you know, yards are yards. So the game plan was working. It worked. And then when they got to that last drive, they, they, it looks like they finally decided, oh, you know, let's give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. In reality, and Bruce Arians said this in his press conference after the game or, or on Monday, I can't remember which one. He said, well, we lightened the box. We backed out a little bit. We only put six in the box. So they started handing the ball off more and they started getting more yards that way because, you know, and that's how the league works, right? It's a pendulum that swings back both ways. So, you know, I, I have no problem with the way Frank Reich played this because, again, it worked for most of the game. It all come down, it comes down to those turnovers, man. If, if the Bucks don't make those big plays and, and take away the football five times, we're talking about a completely different game and nobody's complaining about it. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's the right strategy. Even with that O-line and that back, you got to you gotta do what you got to do to win the game. And running against the Bucks when they know you're running is not going to work. It's just not going to work. So I think it's a it's a sign of respect, right, at the end of the day? It's kind of it's a sign of respect. It is. We'll go back. I think it was 2019 when the Bucks played in Los Angeles against the Rams. And they had Todd Gurley still at the time and like a really good running game. They They ran the ball five times. Yep. And I think the Bucks beat them like 55 to 40 or something ridiculous. <laughs> like it was so hilarious, but it worked. Like they were, they literally are just like, you know what? It's a wasted down to run on these guys. Let's just sling the ball all around and, and it works way better. All right. Question number two, uh, kind of a softball, but this is too fun not to bring up a high school basketball team in Michigan inadvertently added Sean Murphy bunting to their, uh, to their video chat, right? They had one digit wrong, Luke. Sean Murphy Bunting gets gets added to this random video chat for a, a high school basketball team, and not only did he he chat them, but he FaceTimed them, gave the kids a treat. You know, he handed the phone off to Gronk, Lenny, and even Tom Brady. Uh, so here's the question: It's a softball. Can you think of a more likable Super Bowl champion than this team is? And that includes Brady, right? Everybody wants to hate on Brady, but you could see it on social media. Everyone's like, "Man, I I think I hate Tom Brady, but every day I like him more." I, I just thought that was a, an awesome thing that the Bucks did there. Oh, of course. And that's, you know, the personality of the entire team has been that way the whole time. And I think that's what's been most fun about watching Brady play down here is that he is very much, you know, Florida man version of Tom Brady now. He is, you know, when it's not game day, when he's not locked in and and doing the job and and obviously playing at the level and expecting that level of play from all of his teammates, coaches and everybody, when it's not necessarily time to play football, he has been hilarious this whole time since he joined he the Bucks, and and we're all for it. Like, just, you know, not just here in Tampa Bay, but I think there are more and more people who are begrudgingly like, man, I have to like him now because you can't help it. He's he's having a blast and he's hilarious. And I think if you're really honest with yourself, if you're a football fan, I, I think you have to admit how entertaining it is and, again, how likable 
the whole team has been. Yeah, and, and props to Lenny Fournette because I think he hung out with those kids for ten or fifteen minutes while Tom was getting out of a, a meeting so he could hand the phone off to Brady because the kids wanted to talk to Brady. So, Brilliant. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, question number three. Uh, Rob Gronkowski's 123 receiving yards against the Colts gave him his 30th career 100-yard receiving game, Luke. And that moves him one game behind Tony Gonzalez, the legend, um, for the NFL record of 31 100-yard receiving games in a career. So here's my question. Where does Gronk fall on your short list of greatest tight ends of all time? Yeah, I mean, I I always kind of hate these conversations because you're comparing eras, you know, and, and football is just so different. They didn't. They didn't make football players who looked like Gronk and did what he can do athletically 50 years ago. So it's it's a bit different, but I, I don't think you can make a any sort of top five probably without him. You know, you get to top three, again, it's tough that you're trying to compare guys. Again, Tony Gonzalez, Kellen Winslow Sr., uh, Ozzie Newsome, those guys. I mean, there's so many guys that have done so many great things at that position. I'd put Antonio Gates in there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Him and Travis Kelsey, again, fantasy football. Closer to this era. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. again, it's hard for people to know that Gronk and Kelsey are basically the same age. It feels like Gronk should be a lot older after the retirement and coming back and all that, but they're really basically the same age, a few months difference, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, probably top three, definitely top five. And again, it gets dicey when you're trying to say, well, who do we leave out? Who do we, who do we add? I, I think it's just easier to say that he's obviously one of the best to ever play the position. And I, I think, honestly, you could probably make the argument that he's the most dominant, the, the most talented and the most dominant tight end who took over games like I don't think we've ever seen anybody at the position do for, for such a long stretch of time. And again, to be able to keep doing it in your 30s after all the injuries he's had, after retiring for a year and coming back and having to get reacclimated to the game, get back in football shape, the fact that he's still dropping 100-yard games on, on other teams is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, he was the centerpiece of the attack against the Colts. It was, it was crazy. Um, and, that, yeah. and that might not stop. That might not stop, Ryan. Again, AB's still out. Um, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin take a lot of attention, and when that happens, somebody's going to be open. And, and he, he opens up that offense so much between the hashes in particular and between the numbers for Tom Brady that it just it makes it a completely different beast to have to cover. And when the offensive line is playing as well as they did on Sunday and protecting Brady, you cannot cover all three of those guys, let alone all four once they get AB back. You cannot cover Evans, Gronk, and Godwin for four or five seconds. It's not going to happen. No, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, where I was going with this question is, like, I, that's, that's kind of, I agree with you. Like, I at least want to have the conversation about him being maybe the best. And, and now Gonzalez is going to end up – playing 100 more games. You, so you're not going to be able to, you know, he's never going to touch the stats that Gonzalez put up. That right. guy was unbelievable. But Gronk has four Super Bowl rings, and his ability to block and do everything on a football field is just kind of unmatched, I think. And uh, so I think he's in the discussion for the best ever, but I probably would still, I think Tony Gonzalez is still the unicorn. But Gronk, definitely the best tight end personality. I think we can definitely hands down oh, say that. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. one, no one will dispute that. I don't think Tony Gonzalez would dispute that. No, absolutely not. All right, we're going to get into Bucks falcons right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are favored three and a half. The total is 45 and a half. I'm on the Cleveland Browns getting three and the hook. Football Outsiders actually grades the Browns higher than Baltimore. I think it could be a get right spot for Cleveland's 
offense playing against a banged up uh, Baltimore defensive line and a banged up Baltimore secondary. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? So Baltimore averages the most rushing yards per game and the Browns are giving up more than 165 per game. Give me Lamar in the points. Also, the Browns have not lost by less than three this season. Three and a half it is. That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Bucks, 10.5-point favorites against the Dirty Birds this week. This one's going to be played in Atlanta. Uh, Luke, but the Bucks have a ton of injury stuff going on, and Bruce Arians recently addressed the media and kind of gave an update on all these guys, Carlton Davis, the whole crew. Uh, what are you hearing? Give us a little injury updates before we make our pick on this game. Yeah, well, you know, good news, bad news, I think, has always been the theme. Um, the good news is the Bucks are overall getting healthier. Sean Murphy Bunting's been back for a couple games now after being out since week one for – half the season um you got Vita Vea who only missed one game after that knee injury at the end of the Washington game that we all thought was was it right and I actually heard I forget who reported this but when they when they told him when they told Vita after the MRI that he basically would miss maybe a week or two he cried like he was so expecting to be out for the season basically again like he was last year until late in the playoffs but I mean that was a huge win for the Bucks. Uh, in terms of moving forward, Devin White is dealing with a quad and a hip. Um, he played through it on Sunday and actually finished that game. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he feels the rest of the week. He's limited in practice so far this week. Uh, but if you know Devin White, he's probably going to be out there unless he absolutely can't be or is, is not not allowed to. Uh, Jamel Dean's dealing with a shoulder. Not sure how bad that's going to be yet. Um, Ali Marpet still dealing with the abdominal, uh, abdominal muscle issue. We're not sure if he's going to play on Sunday. Aaron Stinney's got a knee. Uh, the guy that <laughs> started for him and then left the game against the Colts. Um, not, not a bad job by Nick Leverett, by the way, a practice squad guy a couple weeks ago, and he's going up against DeForest Buckner at a moment's notice. Uh, not bad, kid. Not at all. Um, uh, the big thing for the Bucks, the, the, the two big ones to keep an eye on for this week, Antonio Brown, I think, is still going to be out. Definitely doesn't sound like he's got any chance of playing. He hasn't returned to practice yet. Not just an ankle, but it's a heel issue, and it's just a more complex injury than I think the Bucks were hoping it was, not just an ankle sprain. But the big one to look for is Carlton Davis, uh, the corner that's been out since week four of the Patriots game. He's been out with the quad. He returned to practice last week, so he can come off IR anytime in the next week and a half. Sounds like he's pretty close and, and might be, be uh, available for the Atlanta game, so that's a big one. And they're and they're done putting Carlton Davis on special teams, right, Luke? Is that official? please stop? Please stop! <laughs> Don't ever do that uh, again. He missed so much time on it. What was it? A punt? Oh God! Get out oh, of here! Oh man, I talked about Vita. We didn't even talk about the two. Yeah, that. Yeah, you get, let's go. I mean that that image of him smiling with the blood in his mouth was just, just an all timer. Incredible! But what a what a shot by the camera guy to get the tooth flying through the air. Yes, absolutely. Great job. And uh, Vita had a little fun with the media. This is uh, on uh, on Wednesday when they met with him. He came out with a mask on, wearing a mask. And yeah. they were like, hey, what's, you know, and he tried to like joke around it like, oh, it's protocol or whatever like that. And they're like, come on. And he flashed the, the pearly whites eventually and showed that he had uh, he had gotten it all fixed up. So he, he looks no worse for the wear now. And he said he didn't even feel it until he went to drink some water afterwards. And it was really cold and hurt. So. <laughs> yeah, some quick dental work right there. 
for, yeah, from the Buc- nice for the, work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Uh, okay, so as I said, this spread is ten and a half, and although the Bucks tend to dominate the Falcons, and they did earlier this year by um, they almost doubled them up, forty eight twenty five. Uh, still, ten and a half points is is a lot, right? In a, in a division game, so given all these injuries, Luke, and and kind of the uncertainty, guys in, guys out. What do you think? Are, are, would you lay the points at ten and a half with the Bucks? Do you think they could cover the spread on the road? I know they can. Uh, I don't know that they they're, will. Based they're capable. On how they're capable. Yeah, you know, they're they're definitely capable of dropping fifty and and running away with it, but. Again, it's it's something I'll have to believe it when I see it, especially on the road. Like you said, division opponent, Falcons can score points. Matt Ryan is a is a savvy veteran quarterback. Corderell Patterson is playing the best football of his life. He is. Kyle, Kyle Pitts is is a playmaker. You know they, they're going to score some points, I think. And again, the Bucks are still dealing with some injuries on defense. You know, I, I think that obviously the Bucks are capable of dropping forty or forty or fifty points like they did last time. But yeah, on the road in particular, in those hostile environments, they really seem to struggle with communication. They're still working on that. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks again, rely a little bit more on the ground game like they did against Indianapolis and, and ride Lenny a little bit, which might keep it more low scoring. Um, yeah, I, I think that I would shy away from that kind of spread until I see them do it on the road. Yeah, and, and actually, you just kind of answered my next question. So the teams combined for 73 points last time. The uh, Bucks hung 48 on them pulled away in the second half but the line is like kind of chilling at 50 and a half for this game luke so 50 and a half that seems low but maybe this is why right maybe odds makers are expecting a run heavy kind of game from bucks falcons but i mean they scored 73 combined i was gonna say even that even that and and to your point they they relied heavily on Lenny in this game, but they still scored thirty eight. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm taking the over. Oh, I, I I don't know if ten and a half is is a bit much, but but over fifty, yeah, give me that all day. Yeah, I I want to pick the over. I just wanted to ask you first, like, why is it fifty and a half? What am I missing here? <laughs> like, what do people know that I don't? Yeah, I don't I don't see it, man. There's going to be some points in this game. Yeah, love it. Cool. So Thanksgiving was good with the fam. All that, Luke. Everything's everything's rolling. Yep, it was fabulous, man. I love it. It's nice. Down here in Florida, it's always hit or miss whether or not it's going to be like actually nice and chilly and like have actual fall weather or whether it's going to be like 98 degrees and 100% humidity. So it's been really, really nice lately in like the 50s and maybe even high 40s sometimes. So I, I, I don't know how everybody else in here feels about this, but I've been I've lived here most of my life and I love when it actually gets cold when it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was nice for me. Nice chill, nice chill day. Watching a lot of football, eating good food with the family, and uh, again, when you can keep the windows open and the nice crisp November air makes it feel like it should on Thanksgiving, it uh, it, it makes it makes it a lot better. Love it for Luke Easterling. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us again. Hit that subscribe button for us. We appreciate it, and we will catch you next week after Bucks Falcons. Catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.